Thomas Robertson is the latest Tim Fisher, John Monash scholar. He's a professional rugby union player who has been capped 31 times for Australia and played more than 80 super rugby matches. While playing rugby at the University of Sydney, Thomas studied for a Bachelor of Medical Science. He later went on to complete a Master of Public Health and a Master of Philosophy, as well as packing down in the front row. As part of his John Monash scholarship, he will undertake a Master of International Health and Tropical Medicine at Oxford University with the aim to bridge the gap between rural and metropolitan health outcomes. I'm very pleased to say that Tom is my special guest today on the Scholars Podcast. Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me and thanks for that uh, great introduction, mate. It was great. So you're training, you're doing pre-season training at the moment in Perth with the Western Force team. What does a day in the life look like for a professional rugby union player? That's uh, that's a great question. It's uh, pretty variable as well. Um, so this morning we're at a at a UFC gym learning how to punch and wrestle each other, which was uh, great fun. But, um, you know, in a normal day, you know, you have your field work with the team and, you know, passing, catching, um, scrums, malls, stuff like that. And then you go to the gym and you have meetings pretty much like anyone else. And then um, because you work on a weekend, you normally have, you know, one day off during the week in some form. So, uh, today's Wednesday, so it's my day off, so I get to talk to you. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much our week. And when you train, what sort of hours do you put in? Is it like a nine-to-five job or is it, um, you know, a couple of hours? How many how many hours is a typical day when you're actually working training? Yeah, so I'd say in general you probably get to, you know, HQ or whatever the, the your sort of base is at 7.30 in the morning and you'll probably leave around – you know, two, three o'clock in the other. So it's pretty much like a mm. trade. You get in there, you have meetings and stuff, but you'll only really be on the field training for, you know, two hours, you know, three hours at the absolute max. And, you know, you have gym, um, lunch, you know, like meetings and stuff around that, and recovery, all that sort of jazz. So, yeah, about 7.30 to two or three in the other, probably a typical day at the office. What's it like doing pre-season training in the middle of summer, especially in Perth? I'm not going to lie, it sucks. It's uh, it's, not <laughs> one of the, it's not the better part of the job. But, you know, you've got to do that work, um, you know, to get your fitness and your strength back up uh, after after the off-season to, uh, you know, be playing against some of the, you know, the best players in the world. So you've got to you've got to put in that work to, uh, to reap the reward and, you know, over in WA, it seems to be the hottest place in Australia at the moment. So we're, um, we're really enjoying that. Tell me, how long have you been playing rugby for? Oh, wow. That's, uh, um, that makes me feel old. Um, so I'm 28 at the moment. I think I first I was under eights, but out in Dubbo, they do it sort of under sixes, then under eights. So I was seven mm. when I started playing in under eights. Um, so yeah, almost 21 years now and uh, eight, this will be my eighth uh, year as a professional rugby player. And was it, has it always been rugby union? Were, were you ever tempted by rugby league or was rugby union um, your sport? Yeah, I get asked that question a bit. And, you know, I think it's just what you grow up with. So and my dad, um, you know, is from country New, New South Wales um, and he always played rugby union. So, you know, I, I played you know rugby union from when I was a little kid and I always preferred that sport because it's what I grew up with. But, you know, I always played, I played soccer, I played rugby league, had a cousin that, uh, played in the NRL and you know won two premierships with Manly, so I've got a fair bit of a different. Who was that? 
His name's Michael Robertson. He played on the mm. wing in 2008, yes. 2011 uh, grand final. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, he's the uh, the more famous Robertson, and uh, he gets all the accolades <laughs> this time. So I need to win myself a premiership. Uh, at Super Rugby or the World Cup before I can take those bragging rights. Well, let's talk about Super Rugby. What are the chances of the Western Force winning the comp this year? Yeah, I mean, we're always uh, we're aiming for that this year. It's a definite goal of ours. And, um, you know, we had a pretty tough season last year. We had, um, you know, we let our he- head coach go at the end of um, end of last season, which was pretty tough. Um you know, especially as, as players, we really respected him as a, as a guy and, you know, we just didn't get the results we wanted to. So, yeah, he he left and uh, we got a new coach um, named Simon Cron and he's from um, – well, he was coaching in Japan professionally, but he's originally a Kiwi. But I had him when I was playing at the Waratahs um, in New South Wales and, you know, he's he's unbelievable. He's attention to detail. He's love of the game uh, and as a coach and as a guy, he's, he's awesome. So, you know, really confident that we're going to go really well this year and, um, you know, just need a – put the few final touches on in pre-season in order, you know, get right for the season. Terrific. And so where did, where did you grow up, Tom? You mentioned Dubbo. Is Dubbo Dubbo's your hometown? Is that where you grew up? Yeah, so I was actually born um, half an hour outside of Dubbo in a town called Wellington, Wello for mm-hmm. sure, most people call it us. And then, um, yeah, moved down to the big smoke of Dubbo when I was, I think I was about four. <laughs> the big smoke, four, yeah. Four or five. And, uh, yeah, did all my, yeah, did my primary school, high school, uh, well, the first bit of my high school down in uh, in Dubbo and then for the last few years uh, the school went up to boarding school in Sydney. Am I right in saying you went to Joey's for for um, your HSC? Yeah, yeah. So my last four years of high school, year 9, 10, 11, 12, went, uh, went up to St. Joseph's College, Hunters Hill, otherwise known as Joey's. And it's the, uh, mm, I know the, it well. The birth yes. Place what was that Dubbo. like? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was sort of, sort of very different, uh, especially for a guy like me. I was, um, I was an only child, so... It was a big step, um, you know, my, let my, for my parents to let me go up there. Um, you know, their only son, five or six hour drive away. So it was, uh, it was a big step for them. But you know, it was, uh, I think it was the best thing for me because you know I was definitely not living up to my potential um, out in the country, and that's no no fault of anyone else's but mine. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, I just think going up to boarding school really, you know, made me appreciate the fact that you know my parents are making a big sacrifice. So I better. You know, I better make a sacrifice as well. Knuckle down. Yeah, knuckle down exactly. And I mean, Joey's is a is a huge rugby school. That's what it's that's what it's known for. Yeah. Is that is that where like presumably you 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 played in the, the first fifteen? That was um, if you're playing for Australia. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a pathway there. There's been that many yes. guys come out of the out of the school that played for the Wallabies and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I was already playing uh, rugby before I went to Joey's, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely think it, it helped um, going there and being, you know, one of the best rugby environments in Australia, if not the world. So that was uh, definitely helpful in my career as well. And were you um, were you identified then as a potential prospect? Were you like, you know, you hear about the talent scouts coming out? Did did someone sort of say, hey, we've got to we've got to keep an eye on Tom. This guy's got a big future. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say I got, you know, scouted and uh, looked at and stuff, but I wouldn't say, you know, I was the stand. I was never a standout um, player, sort of. I was never, I was not Curtly Beal sort of going to Wallaby King. Mm-hmm. I was in year 12 and stuff like that. I was, um, you know, I left school and um, didn't have a professional contract, had to work my way um, through my um, club team at Sydney University. Had to play there for three years before I got offered, you know, sort of the entry level contract to the Waratahs, and then, you know, it all, you know, built from there. I made my debut for the Waratahs in 2016, and then 
made my Wallaby debut in the same year. So it sort of I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, I wouldn't say I was the worst rugby player when I was at school, but I definitely wasn't a standout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I sort of took the took the hard road and had to do a few years there in uh, in club rugby, where you you pretty much do the same um, same training and same you know game time as a professional rugby player. You just don't get paid for it, so it was uh, yeah pretty hard trying to manage the study and you know a part time job put my way through uni and then. Playing on top of it was it was a big three years, but you know I'm obviously very glad I did it. Uh, that yeah, was, a lot of things to it. juggle. So, so did you go straight into your medical science degree after year twelve? Yeah, so I went um, straight into yeah playing club rugby for Sydney Uni, doing a undergrad bachelor of medical science, and I was um, working as a graffiti removalist um, for the Sydney <laughs> City Council. So that was uh, that was my first three years. Uh, yeah, well, you would have been busy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, been busy. Yeah, bloody town hall station seems to be uh, spray canned every every night. So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty busy. So, but I was, you know, it helped me learn the streets of Sydney and uh, find my way around, which was which was great. I bet. So, what what was it about the medical science degree that um, interested you? As you as you said, you know, you really needed to knuckle down in those high school years. So presumably, something clicked when you were in year eleven and twelve to be able to open your eyes to a potential future in medicine yeah it's um you know that's an interesting question because you know i was never the as i said probably similar with the rugby i was never uh the standout sort of student and stuff like that but you know i was quite interested in biology and chemistry and you know i just wanted to literally just wanted to do something that you know was in that area and um obviously with the uh the rugby type of things interested in the human body and and how, how it moves and how, how it works. So um, that was just why I got into the medical science. I didn't have the mark coming out of uh, high school to get straight into medicine. So mm. I looked at that and I uh, had to go through the undergraduate pathway and sit the GAMS hat and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So many, people, so many people do that these days. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's so competitive. You know, you have to get pretty much 99.95. Otherwise, mm. you know, mm. you're, not, you're not getting straight in. So it was, uh, yeah, three years of the undergrad and then um, – yeah, then into medicine after that. But, you know, I didn't do it for any, you know, sort of, it sounds bad, altruistic reason. But, you know, I yeah. really just uh, obviously love helping people as well. But, you know, I really just enjoyed science and I enjoyed learning about it. And, you know, I, the, my dad always told me if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So I just, I just mm. enjoyed it and that was, that was what made it easy. That's true. And so what was the, what was the plan then at that stage? You finished your degree in medical science and then you, you started your doctor of medicine yep. and yeah, what, what happened then? Yeah. So that 2000, the end of 2015 was pretty much like a hurricane. I, within a month of each other, I got offered a place to study medicine, which, you know, was, uh, couldn't believe it, and then yep. and then I got offered a, my first contract uh, with Waratahs, which was just like, oh my god! I just couldn't believe what actually. Well, I was trying to get one of them, and then when both came through, I was obviously ecstatic. But then I had this sudden realization, like, holy crap! How am I going to do this? How am I going to manage this? Yeah. So I yeah had had it written into my contract that I could leave um, training to go to classes and stuff like that in my first year. But yes. the sort of said to me um, in preseason, it's like, mate, we look looks like you're actually going to get some game time. Um, you know, is it is it going to be an issue that you doing this medicine? Because if you're missing training, we can't pick you. And I sort of said, geez, if you're actually going to pick me, you know, I'll I'll miss class. Like it's fine. <laughs> and then, um, 
Yeah, so I got through that first year mostly because we normally get the Wednesday off and my hospital day was on a Wednesday. Okay. In, in that second year, it changed to a Tuesday or Thursday, so that's when our big training days are. So that's why, I, yeah, suddenly started missing three quarters of class, which wasn't uh, wasn't ideal. But uh, yeah, that's what you what you have to give up to be a professional rugby player. And what did you say to the university? Hey, my circumstances have changed. I'm still really keen, but can I just put all of this on hold for a while? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it went. You know, I tried to be uh, pretty upfront with them, and you know, explain that. Uh, yeah. You know, I do have commitments outside of rugby, but you know, for from going to say you know, to saying you know I do have outside commitments to then you know seeing what that actually looks like, it's um, you know it's quite uh, it's quite different, and um, you know there was definitely going to be a point in time where it came to a head because you know in third and fourth year you pretty much have to be on on site at hospital four days a week, so that was just never going to happen. But, you know, I wanted to get to the end of that second year, but, you know, it was, obviously wasn't to be because I was missing too much class. But, you know, I'm definitely you know, still keen on finishing it, and uh, I think I've showed that through the other degrees and stuff I've done that I'm still really passionate about that. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back there and, uh, and finishing that off. So you, so you put that on hold. You're playing with the Waratahs, um, and then tell me about, the, the the moment you found out that you'd been selected to play for the Wallabies, I'm keen to. I love hearing the stories when you you either got you know whether at the phone call or the email or you know the meeting in the office. Tell us about that. Yeah, so oh, it's a bit of like it's a bit of a long story. So apologies in advance, but it's okay. Um, you know, you you get the call up. I saw Michael Checker called me to come in in the squad, and you know I'm just the real shy young kid in there, you know, trying not to hit the older players too hard and, you know, trying to just find and find my way. Um, and then so uh, so back then they used to play, the Wallabies would play on a weekend and then they had this um, competition before COVID called the National Rugby Championship where it's basically like a, you know, a semi-professional, you know, upwards of club rugby, you know, that they'd send the Wallaby guys that weren't playing because Super Rugby's not on at that time of year. Yes. They'd send yep. all those Wallaby guys that were in the squad back to this, you know, sort of third-tier competition. And I was getting ready to play, um, I think it was in Tamworth, and the night before we were due to play, I saw uh, Alan Alatoa, um, who was recently um, one of our captains for the Wallabies. He got injured coming off the bench when he was a bit younger as well, and I'd grown up with Alan you know, played with him pretty much all throughout my age groups and stuff. And I saw he got he got a pretty bad injury and I'm like, oh, could be on here, but I don't want to jinx it, don't want to jinx it. Yeah, of and course. And then, um, yeah, get a phone call later that night uh, off the NRC coach to say, hey, mate, you're only playing half a game tomorrow and you have to, uh, at halftime, you're getting to the airport and going Tamworth, Sydney, Sydney, Perth uh, for the next week's game. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I might be close here. And then anyway, I remember the, the assistant coach uh, for the NRC team, we'll call the Country Eagles. Um, so it was, it was at halftime and he sort of had the cab waiting out the front, literally ready to go to the airport. And he's like, mate, um, yeah, I know you've just got off the ground, but the cab meter is actually rolling and you can't have a shower. You need to get right in the cab straight away. The club can't afford it. So I've gotten on this, I've gotten on this flight from Tamworth to Sydney absolutely reeking after a game. The poor lady yes. next to me, I had to apologise to her um, before we left because, I, you know, normally would have had a shower and put some deodorant on. Of course, freshened up for the flight. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Michael, with Michael Checker calling, I was never going to say no. So, um, yeah, mm. eventually got over to Perth and um, 
you know, during the week and stuff. I uh, still didn't know because Checker used to like to announce the team like on a Thursday just before a Saturday game, so it was pretty late. And then they called me in to do a heap of media interviews and stuff that week. And I'm sort of thinking, why would you be interviewing me? Mm, like, something's up here. Yes, something's fishy. A, a bit of a bit of a suspicion, but then yeah, when my name got called out in the team meeting, it was oh, I was so happy. And then I flew my family, my mum, dad, and um, my girlfriend at the time. Um, they all came over. Who's now my fiance? Um, so yes, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. Yes, yeah, really got them all over, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they spent about. 12 hours in Perth before they had to fly back. So, it was, yeah, it was great to get them over and see the game and then they got about two hours sleep and then back off to Sydney. And what was that first game like for you? Yeah, obviously I was absolutely, uh, yeah, I was beside Who'd you play? Who'd you play? It was against Argentina in, uh, yep. in Perth. So, we were at uh, HBF Park, um, you know, it was big, big occasion and stuff like that. But, you know, in the first 10 minutes we went up 21-0. I think Israel Flower scored a a double within, you know, seven minutes or something ridiculous like that. So I was sort of on the bench going, oh, okay, at least, at least I should be, it should be okay now because we're, you know, going to win the game. We're up. So that yeah. sort of took the edge off it. But yeah, obviously when I got on, um, yeah, it was, it was a dream come true and I uh, couldn't believe it. And, you know, all my family crying and stuff like that. So it was, uh, I it was, bet. But being there, being there in, your, in the jersey, singing the anthem, that would have been special. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you dream about as a little kid. So, you know, I'd still remember, you know, watching the great Wallaby teams of the late 90s, early 2000s and, you know, uh, doing, doing the Harker, watching the Harker and, uh, you know, singing the National Anthem and stuff like that. So it was, it was absolutely awesome. And the Harker, the Harker looks scary watching it on TV or yeah. even seeing, seeing it from the stands. I've got, I, I can't imagine what it would be like you know, being 10 metres away and hearing it and smelling it. Yeah, I guess it's... Uh, it is it is a bit a bit different than what it looks like on TV, but it also it, it gets them up, obviously. But it also gets you up because you know it's a bit of a mm. bit of a challenge that they throw out. But you know, I've played against New Zealand six times. I know one once, so haven't haven't had the best record against against the Harkers. Oh. You know, hopefully, I get get another chance later this year. And uh, what's it what's it like playing against the All Blacks in New Zealand? I mean, it's just di- different. Like they terrifying, yeah. Especially at Eden Park in Auckland, they're I think they yeah. haven't lost there in thirty or thirty yes. or more. Um, yeah, they they know the ground so well. You know, even their kicks to touch, their you know the grubbers are perfectly weighted. You know, it's pretty greasy. What you don't see on the TV, but it actually is pretty greasy. Is it? When yeah. you get out there, but you know they obviously train in it and they're used to it, so. Um, you know, their home track. Yeah. So there's definitely some advantage to playing on their home track there. And, um, you know, but it's, again, it's a, it's a great rugby stadium. It's one of the best in the world. It's, uh, it's always scary when you, you go up there, you sing the anthem, you're looking around and you can't see a single gold jersey. So it's always, mm, uh, it's just black. black. Yeah. A sea exactly. of black jerseys. Exactly. Exactly. And, and where are some of the, the great venues that you've played at internationally? Oh, I mean, you know, obviously Australia is great to play in, but, because mm-hmm. yeah, we're such a young country, some of our you know our stadiums just aren't as old and stuff like that. So yeah, of course. Some of the traditions that you have over in Europe and stuff is is awesome. But you know, ANZ is a great stadium. Um, what's it called now? So Homebush Stadium, I should say. Sorry. Or Sydney Olympic Park. Sydney yeah, Olympic look, Park. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure what the sponsorship is now. Yeah, so that's good. It, call it on the ABC, don't they? So um, mm. yeah, that one. More parks, good. Uh, Suncorp Stadium or Lang Park's always good. Yes. But you know, I'd say. Um, you know, overseas, um, you know, you got Twickenham in London, which is 85,000. They sell that out. You know, England mm. play Tonga there and they get, you know, 
81,000 people to it. You know, you have Millennium Stadium, which we just won at in Cardiff the end of last year, which, you know, they closed this rooftop and they have a full choir. Yes. And, um, yes. yeah, they have this anthem that's from full, full Welsh, but I don't know what they're what they're actually saying, but it sounds unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got all these really cool stadiums and, you know, Stade de France over in Paris is, you know, unbelievable as well. So they've got all these, you know, cool stadiums with, you know, cool history and um, lots of tradition over there. When the games are finished, you obviously shake hands with your opponents on the field and you go into the dressing room and celebrate or commiserate. Do, do you go into the opposing change rooms and sort of sit down with them and, and talk with them or is it, no, on the bus and out. Like, I'm keen to know what happens after the game with respect to the opponents. Yeah, yeah. when I was younger, um, you know, I probably kept more to myself because, you know, I didn't really see the value in getting to know people from, you know, other countries and, you know, they were my enemy rather than, yeah. you know, yes. now that I'm older, it's sort of, you know, they're just doing their job. They, you know, don't necessarily dislike you. They're just there to do their job as well. So, of course. You no, know, I think yeah. now that I'm older, I always – you know, my last few tests, I've tried to you know go to the opposition change room or they've come to mind and, and swap jerseys with my opponent because you know it's a great memento. You know, I'm never going to wear you know a Wallabies jersey that I've you know played in down the street because that might look a bit funny. But you know, I'll, I'll have all the I have a Welsh jersey, French jersey, Irish jersey that you know <laughs> of course hanging up on my cupboard that you know I like to reminisce on and it's always good memories. Take that down to the pub. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Like that's that's definitely something that I I feel is uh, is pretty special. And it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about the new coach. So obviously there's some news this week that Eddie Jones, the former coach of the Wallabies, uh, is is coming in to be the, the head coach again. That's obviously uh, some news in, in rugby land. What did, you, what did you make of that? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a surprise. I guess we got a, as players, we got a Zoom invitation. Uh, I think it was at 8 a.m. on the East Coast. So it's 5 a.m., over in Perth because we're three hours behind and I didn't get on mm-hmm. it, you know, so I had no idea. So I just woke up to the news <laughs> and, um, you know, which is uh, which is a bit weird. But you know, I, I I really got along well with Dave Rennie. I was sort of out of the uh, out of the team for a bit uh, there when he first took over. And you know, after you know being back in the squad for the last few years, it's been great uh-huh. you know, getting to know him and how how he does how do he does things. He brought a very different um, different aspect to what Michael Checker did, and you know. He was a great guy and, you know, I really got along with him well. So I cannot uh, just wish him all the best for the future. And, you know, Eddie mm-hmm. Jones is, you know, again, one of the best coaches in the world. So I think we're, we're quite blessed in that area. But, you know, my hat uh, goes off to Dave Rennie. He gave me another chance to, you know, sort of resurrect my international career and I've got nothing, nothing but uh, good things to say about Dave. Very well said. And so the World Cup is on uh, this year. When does it start? So I don't know the exact start date. It's in September of some description. But okay, I know, I know September. The date of the World Cup final is the 28th of October because, um, you know, we're all aiming to get there and that's, um, you know, something we spoke about in the last Wallaby camp uh, last week and, um, you know, it would be awesome to lift that trophy like they did in the, in the 99 World Cup. And, um, I did. And that's definitely something something we're looking forward to doing. And so all things being, being equal, you will – play for Australia in the World Cup, hopefully win the World Cup, and then go to Oxford University to, to, to start your studies, your scholarship from the John Monash Foundation. Is that, is that the plan? 
Yeah, that is the plan. Uh, obviously, in life, nothing's perfect, and you know, I could be thrown a spinner at any stage. You know, I had a had ankle surgery. Um, you know, just before the last World Cup because I did my ankle over in South Africa um, before the first test. So, you know, whether I would have been picked in that World Cup or not is still up for debate. But you know, I was wasn't available till halfway through it. So that yeah. sort of made it made it difficult. And you know. I don't want to count count my chickens before they're There's not. no chicken counting here. No, yes. No, We're crossing no. all our fingers and toes for Definitely you. Not, you know, they could also could be bad form. I could uh, hopefully I don't, but, you know, I could play poorly, not get picked. There's a, there's a lot of different variables there, but you know, that is the plan at this stage, so hopefully I can make that a reality. And what made you pick um, Tom, what made you pick Oxford? Because you had the choice of picking any university as part of the great thing about the the scholarship at the foundation, you can go anywhere in the world. So what was it that made you interested in Oxford? Yeah, I guess I see sort of, you know, Oxford and Cambridge as as both, you know, two of the best unis in the world to start. But, um, you know, they've also got great rugby traditions. And, you know, being a rugby player, I've sort of, you know, gotten to know a few people that have gone over there and, and spoken to them and stuff like that. But uh, I've been to both of the unis and, you know, Oxford or Cambridge, is, they're both incredible. Like I went mm-hmm. to – I'll tell this story. I went to Cambridge in the end of 2018. I did my ACL, so I had about six months off and I flew over to, um, to England for a few weeks on holiday and I went up there um, to see their head of rugby and took me out to lunch and we were at this pub. I can't remember the name of the pub, but we're at, he was like, oh, I'll buy you a beer. So I was like, okay, went to the counter one of the beer taps was called uh, DNA, and I was like, "Oh, that's a, that's a funny name for a beer." So I uh, asked, oh, "I was like, what's that named after?" And he's like, "Oh, Watson and Crick discovered the structure of DNA next door. They came in and stood on that table and announced to the crowd, we've discovered the structure for life.'" And I'm just like, <laughs> "I just spent, want to have a beer." <laughs> yeah, I've spent the last ten years learning about this stuff too. And this guy's a professor of, you know, Shakespeare. He's an English literature professor. So he you know, didn't really know or slash care about, you know, that sort of stuff. But my my jaw was sort of on the floor because I've, you know, read about mm. these guys in textbooks. I didn't know where they actually made the discovery. And then, you know, after that we went on a little tour, you know, 50 metres down the road there was a, a lab with a plaque at the front said, this is the place where they split the atom and discovered the electron. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's, wow. that's pretty big. And then we went, you know, another 50 metres down the road and there was um, the apple tree one of the descendants of Isaac Newton's apple tree, you know, that fell on his head and he discovered, you know, <laughs> what a full of gravity. And then he's yeah. the dorm that the room that he lived in was just above that apple tree. And then next to that, his room was Alan Turing's room that, you know, did that mm. whole enigma thing and, you know, saved, yeah. you know, five million lives in World War Two. So I was just it was just incredible to see the history, you know, especially in the science realm over there. It's just incredible. And, you know, I definitely think that's. Uh, you thought, this is for me. I can do this. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah I was. I was gobsmacked. So yeah, to be able to so, go to any of those two unis would just be yeah, absolutely incredible. And I'd, I'd love to do it one day. That's what I said at the time. And and what are you going to what are you going to be studying? <laughs> um, so it's a bit of a long title, but it's called a Master of International Health in Tropical Medicine. I still obviously have to get accepted, but um, my application's in. And you know, I just really like. Um, you know, learning about sort of diseases and stuff that are, you know, specific to regional Australia because, you know, we get a lot of different different diseases and, you know, a lot of poorer health outcomes uh, in the bush and, you know, I think. We do. Yeah, learning about, you know, how other countries, you know, use their healthcare resources and, 
um, in the most efficient manner. I think it would be great. And, you know, learning off you know, other jurisdictions and countries and what they do and then trying to bring that back to Australia and, you know, either get more resources or use the resources that we already have out there more efficiently because, um, you know, I think it's – I've still got family out there that are, that are suffering, you know, because they've got, you know, a bit of um, uh, bit of <laughs> poor access to healthcare out there. So they have to come to Sydney every three months to see the specialists. So, you know, I think it would be great um, to try and bring that back to Australia. So once you finish your study in in the UK, w- would you eventually like to finish your original undergrad, uh, well, the Doctor of Medicine degree? So you could be uh, Doctor uh, Thomas Robertson. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the plan at the moment. Um, so I'd come back after um, sometime after the uh, Master of International Health and Tropical Medicine at Oxford. I'd come back in. Um, finish the four years off at Sydney University, which would be great. And then, um, yeah, the plan is after that, um, you know, whether I specialise and, and what I specialise in, I realise I might be a bit a, a bit long in the tooth by then. I might be a bit old. So it really will depend, uh, you know, what you know what, what my life situation is. You know, I might uh, or I'll definitely have a wife, hopefully, and uh, maybe mm. a couple of kids and stuff like that. So that might, might sort of change what I want to specialise in. But, you know, I plan after, you know, doing those four years back, in the Doctor of Medicine, heading back out to Dubbo or some you know regional area in Australia um, with my wife and family, and um, yeah, hopefully setting up camp there. And um, the goal is to you know do a bit of public health work, bit of clinical work, so you know I can keep you know both feet um, sort of in in each area, which would be great. Well, there's always room for good doctors, no matter the age. So I wouldn't let the age um, get in get in the way. Um, Tom, we wish you well, mate. That's um, that that's an um, an amazing story that you've told us, and we'll, we'll have all our fingers and toes crossed for uh, a good rugby season uh, and success for the Wallabies in France and the World Cup at the end of the year. And and best of luck with your studies. And we'll we'll be following your progress with with great interest. And we wish you nothing but success. So good luck and and well done. Thank awesome. You. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me on.